Hello there and welcome back to another episode of the Long Live Rock and Roll podcast with your host, Laz Michaelides, and on the screen opposite me, the very sharply dressed Mr. Felipe Amarin. How you doing, bro? How you doing, everyone? Yeah, man. Yeah, sharply dressed. You're looking sharp tonight, man. That beard's <laughs> coming on. You still you still on that ZZ Top bet? Yeah, I'm, I'm on a ZZ Top project, so I want to grow my beard all the way. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take, uh, but, you know... I'm I'm working on it. I, actually, I'm not working on it because that's what you need to do. That's but why just... I'm that's why I'm bald because it requires less work. <laughs> you don't have to go and get your pay pay for get your hair cut. It's the same with growing your hair long, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, my hair is long, my beard is long, so I don't care. I just don't need to perfect. do any work on it. Perfect. Um, Welcome to the show, everyone. For new listeners and viewers, um, we are an independent podcast who talk all things classic rock music. Uh, The name of the podcast is obviously Long Live Rock and Roll, but what we do here is we talk about classic albums. We talk about what made them great, looking back at them now um, from from sort of a modern perspective, and what we think people in this day and age have uh, the the benefits of listening to them. Um, So one of the albums we're going to do today is, in fact, one of the best-selling albums of all time. Uh, Did you choose this one Felipe was it me ah uh, that was my choice you chose so yeah. Felipe has chosen Hotel California by Eagles from 1976 um Felipe let me just do the quick details and then you tell us uh, a few details so the name of the album's Hotel California the artist is Eagles uh it was released on December 8th 1976 and recorded between March and October 1976 with a length of 43 and a half minutes it comes in as a rock style uh, album the label is Asylum and the producer was Bill Sinchik so Felipe would you tell us please why did you choose this album i chose the album because of the song i think the eagles got um one of the the other like best-selling albums of all time is the the best of the eagles or something like that. yes a it was their one before this wasn't it well no i think it's a compilation i think it's after this yeah probably. but oh okay i i thought it was the compilation of the albums before this one. I could be wrong. Oh, it could be. It could be. I actually don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I know the compilations are best-selling this one as, as well. So I knew, like, the hits, like, uh, uh, songs like Take It Easy and Hotel California. But I love Take It Easy. It's lovely. Yeah. Cool. But as we do albums, we don't do compilations, and we don't – sometimes we talk about bands and the whole career, but that's really hard to, to approach in one episode. So I thought about picking one album and – this is probably the most iconic of their albums. One, because the song is one of the biggest rock and roll like hits of all time. Um, and the album cover is just simply beautiful as well. So I think all the classic rock albums, or most of them, have, have iconic covers, isn't it? Like The Dark yeah. Side of the Moon, you know, like Led Zeppelin 4, all those classic albums that we like. And the album cover is something that always, it's, it's always in my head. Uh, uh, and this one is quite remarkable as well. And and I think the song, the, the title song is what, what led me to choose this, this album. And I wasn't familiar with the whole album. Okay. I'm not even that familiar with the Eagles. And the one thing I really like about them as a drummer is like the, the, the main singer in the band is a drummer, isn't it? And yeah, it reminds you of the band, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few things to say about the band in relation to this because they remind oh, me yeah. of it. It's just, I, I just, I love how in this, especially in this album, we've got different. I don't say different vocalists on each track, but the, each of the band members takes a turn at being lead vocalist on this album. Yes. Again, that was very similar to to the band. 
for, for, for anyone who's not familiar with the band, we are talking about a band called The Band. Uh, we did an episode on them, I think it was episode 21 or 20, um, but go and check that out. Um, and the, what that they were an Americana band from the late 60s who basically they had four different lead vocalists and there was not one set lead vocalist. Now, as you said, the main lead vocalist um, in Eagles is Don Henley because he was the drummer, uh, but they all took a turn, you know, um, Glenn Frey took uh, the lead vocals on the second song. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's just interesting, isn't it? How the, it's quite an Americana country thing, isn't it? Where we share the vocals. Yeah, and it's cool because like every everyone in the band is an instrumentalist and everyone's a singer. Yeah. Uh, although I have something to say about it. I think, well, uh, Don Henley, isn't it? The drummer, he's, he's such a great singer. I, I'll, I'll dare to say he's the American Phil Collins, right? <laughs> plays drums really well yeah. and sings to a really high level. Even reminds me of Phil Collins at some point, uh, uh, and um, and he's such a phenomenal singer. They are, um, and they actually the some of the other band members. I don't, I don't remember which of the guitar players said that he could sing anything. He could sing the phone book if he wanted to. So like any any he would turn anything into music, and and his his uh, ability to create melodies was so good, and his vocal technique was so good uh, that I think. The issue with with them in my in my view is like he is in my opinion much better than the other guys as a singer, and that kind of stands out. <laughs> well, it's funny going back to the going back to the comparison with the band. Um, the the thing that was different with the band is that they all had such different voices, didn't they? You could yeah. tell which one was singing on which song. Whereas here, apart from the quality, as you said, they do all have different. Uh, they, sorry, they do all have similar. Uh, tones and timbres, yes. don't they? But Don Henley just has a bit more technique, doesn't it? Yes, and and, and that yeah, exactly. And the expression as well, the way you know, the, the way he articulates every yeah. word and the way he puts passion in, into the performance as 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 well as the technique makes him such a, a phenomenal singer. And I think that's one of the main reasons for the Eagles' success. Uh, uh, despite the fact that people will always comment as well on the fact that he's a drummer who sings, which is a cool thing, you know, it's yeah. it's not like the 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 um the drummer being the band leader and the lead singer. Well they they still touring with a complete different lineup and he might be the only original member. I'm, wow. I'm not really sure because I haven't they've they've played in Hyde Park last year, I guess. And uh, a friend of mine even joked about it, saying like, "Oh yeah, there was an Eagles tribute band playing there." Uh, you know, this is they changed the lineup so much. It's like, yeah, but he, it, without, without him, it would be really hard to 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 make the Eagles work. Yeah, yeah. I was just joking. I was going to say, funnily enough, that this this Eagles tribute band, the original drummer from the Eagles, he's in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I'm not sure if there's any other uh, original members in the band. So. Uh, one thing talking about lineup, uh, uh, Joe Walsh, the guitar player, one of the guitar players, joined the band for this album, and he yes. sings one song at the end. I guess one. one he sings, yeah, he sings track seven, "Pretty Maids All in a Row," um, yeah. and he actually he he came into as you said for this album because he replaced the founding member Bernie Leadon. Now, yeah. what's interesting about this is that Bernie Leadon was very country uh, heavy. He composed a lot of the songs, and he uh, often went for that country rock style. And the band, did, let's do a little bit of history here um, in terms of where the Eagles were. Do you know what? I get I get really, you know how OCD I am and how proper I am with calling things the right name. They are called Eagles. Their, their title is not, not the Eagles. Eagles. Just so Eagles. It's, yeah. I just want to be like, uh, you know where Eagles are? You know, um, but yeah. anyway, I'll forget it for an episode. Um, 
So where the Eagles were at this stage is that during this time in America in the mid 70s, they, were, they had this thing called the bicentennial celebrations. And this was where they were just celebrating all of the things, you know, American culture, American heritage. Um, and this culminated with a 4th of July celebration in 1976. And after these years of this sort of celebration, Eagles found themselves obliged to write an album that celebrated, criticized, embraced, and challenged the American dream, the American culture, and the American heritage. So, and I read an interview with one of them who said, let me see, I don't want to get it wrong. Um, maybe I haven't got it down. They said that this is a concept album, but not an American concept album in terms of Wild West and Cowboys, but a more urban concept album of America. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And several themes of the, uh, of the album um, include loss of innocence, the cost of naivety, the perils of fame and excess, the exploration of the dark underbelly of the American dream, idealism realised and thwarted, illusion versus reality, business versus art, corruption in politics, the fading of the 60s dream of peace, love and understanding, all coming through. So this was really a reflection of America uh, at the time. It's interesting because that's from an American point of view. Uh, we've we've analyzed uh, albums by U2 and Supertramp, uh, given their vision of what the American dream has become yes. at the time. Good point. But, Brilliant. But, yeah. but then you're talking about Irish and English musicians, yeah. given their view on, on it. Now it's an American, a proper American band uh, who clearly know a lot about American music, don't they? Like the way they yes. play their guitars. One of the things that really, really uh, makes the album sound good, in my opinion, is the, the balance between acoustic and electric guitars, the way they mix it, you know, the way they they, yeah. they have sometimes a, a rhythm guitar being played on acoustic and the lead on, on electric, and sometimes they have slide guitars. I think that's a very American thing, isn't it, like that? Well, I wanted, I wanted to just add something to that, and you said lead guitar, uh, you said electric guitar and acoustic guitar, and I want to add yeah. piano into that, because yes. there are a few songs that are piano-led, and we hear this quite a lot with American singer-songwriters, you know, people like um, Carol King. Yeah. You know, uh, she, she was very piano-heavy. Um, James Taylor, he was very acoustic, um, guitar-led. And I think what we're hearing here even from that interview and the, the quotes I just gave, is a celebration of America coming through yeah. in this album. I know you normally do sort of a lyrical analysis. Have you looked into the lyrics of this album? Or? Yes, I did. I, I did what check did into that. And, and, well, in relation to what you said, there's a couple of... of um, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to check my notes here. That's a couple of things about, about the lyrics. Um, there's a, an interesting quote from Don Henley himself about uh, Hotel California, because there's like... A million interpretations of that song. And I, I've heard people say, oh, that's a guy who died and his soul is trapped in hell. And it's like, there's all sorts of things that people <laughs> think about the song. But it's literally, uh, and it's not even about the hotel itself. It's just uh, um, kind of um, a metaphor. So basically, the, what, what he says about it, it's really good to, to check what the songwriters and the singers say about the song. Um it was really, so that's his quote, it was really about the excesses of American culture and certain girls we knew, but it was also about the uneasy balance between art and commerce. So mm. it is about the music industry, it is about the, the lifestyle they were uh, experiencing at the time, you know, parties and girls and, and booze and all that. And, and, and that's, I feel like they felt trapped in that culture and they kind of criticizing it in the album. So there's a yeah. bit of that. 
Yeah, is does that relate to what you found about the album? It does because this is another quote um, from one of them. I just really should have written down who said it, but it's one of the band members. I think it could have been Don Henley. Uh, he said that what we're trying to do is we're trying to wake people up and say, okay, listen, we've been all right for 200 years, but we're going to have to change if we're going to continue to be around. So I think, I don't know if that's a comment on politics, on war or on nature. You know, we were talking a lot about climate change um, in the last few years. Yeah. Could they have been talking about it back in 76? Um, he said, the country is 200 years old. So we figured since we are eagles and the eagle is our national symbol, that we were obliged to make some kind of statement using California as a microcosm of the whole of the US. So this album, although it's called Hotel California, is entirely about California, but with yeah. California being the representative of the US. So I, I mean, think take back to the last episode, let's look at London Calling. London yeah, Calling yeah. was probably yeah. the, 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 the pin in the map of what The Clash were describing the whole UK as, using London as the example. And I wonder if Eagles have done the same and tried to describe the whole American situation, but using California as the base. I think, yeah, I think California is like um, an exaggerated version of, of American culture, isn't it? It's like, it's yeah. it's it's America, uh, but louder. <laughs> so I see California. Like Florida. So, yeah, there's, so there's, there's a... There's a, a um, uh, another quote from from Don Henley saying, "We were all middle class kids from the Midwest. Hotel California was our interpretation of the high life in Los Angeles. So, right. it's, so yeah, clearly it's like how they saw the the LA culture and the LA nightlife and everything that the people were doing that place as um, as maybe an example of America is, or maybe as the the, the yeah from the perspective of Californians, maybe yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. So that's and even uh, okay again about fame and fortune and the, and the lifestyle. The second song, "New Kid in Town," which when I first I, I'll, I'll tell you this, this is I did I didn't know the song. I have to confess, okay. when I listened to it, I was like in love with the song for the first time I listened to it and it's such a beautiful song but my interpretation of it was like oh it's a love song or it's not it's when you're the new kid in town and everyone's talking about you but someone is going to come along and he, and everyone's going to forget about you but it's not only about uh, 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 relationships and love and other stuff so uh, Don Henley said it's about the fleeting fickle nature of love and romance it's also about the fleeting nature of fame especially in the music business so, so he said, "Look, we we know we're red hot right now, but we also know that somebody's gonna is gonna come along and replace us, both wow. in music and in love." Wow, interesting. Yeah. Um, the yeah, I mean, something that let's sticking on that song. I agree with you. I really love that song. It's probably my favorite on the album. Um, actually, do you know what? Let's get into the music of it, and I'm going to start it yeah. off with the Laz Unleashed. All right, do it. Here we go. <laughs> Hotel California as a song is overrated. It's far from the best song on the album. There are at least three better, in my humble opinion. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really harsh. I'm going to leave the room now. Yeah, so, he's got, he's, yeah that's uh, it. Well, uh, this, disclaimer, disclaimer, <laughs> I do not necessarily agree with any statements made by my co-host. Yeah, the, no. the, views, uh, the views of Laz Michaelidi is not representative of the whole Long Live Rock and Roll podcast <laughs> administration team. Uh, you know, terms and conditions apply. Um, but I'll tell you what I think. I think, for me, it doesn't really go anywhere. You've got the solo at the end, which is fantastic. And I think the solo is brilliant. And I think that's actually his redeeming feature. 
if the solo wasn't there, I wonder if people would love it as much as they do because the solo is iconic. But I don't think the solos are as good as Freebird. I don't think it's as good as Stairway to Heaven uh, in terms of just guitar solos. And then if you're comparing guitar solos, well, for me, I've got to look at what comes before the guitar solos. And yes, I get it. You've got that little, the bass and the drums doing their reggae thing and the the, the guitars with the unusual sound sounding a bit Spanish, a bit flamenco-y. And overall, you've got quite a progressive sound there. And I do like what they were going for. But I just, I like, it's it's cool. It's a good song. But man, I'll just say it right now. New Kid in Town, Wasted Time, Try and Love Again, The Last Resort. I thought they were all much better songs. Uh, and songs that, I, you know, it's not even like, you know, Try and Love Again. I didn't love the song. But as a song and the way it was written, the melody, I just thought, wow, just blew Hotel California out of the, out of the water. But as, as always with Laz Unleashed, that's just me. Um, and it is <laughs> iconically one of the most famous songs of all time. Why don't we kick off with that, the first song? Um, yeah. Talk to us about it, man. Talk to us. You know, you said you chose this album because of that song. What does this song mean to you? Well, this song means, um, it reminds me of my teenage years when, when I was discovering rock music. Okay. And obviously it was a radio song, isn't it? So played many times on the radio. And I don't know about the UK, but back in Brazil, the, there's an acoustic version of it uh, that that played on the radio and on TV all the time. And it was more famous than the actual studio version of it. Uh, the, 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 the Is one that one you sent me? Yes, I've sent you I'll a link. That, okay. you maybe put yeah. it on here. Um, for new for new viewers and listeners, what if you go down to the show notes, either in the YouTube description or in the podcast show notes, you're going to find a link to a playlist where we put in a Spotify playlist all the songs from the album we're talking about and any any other songs we mention. Down in those show notes will also be the YouTube link to the song that Felipe has just uh, to the cover that Felipe has just mentioned. You guys might know it already because they use it in the Big Lebowski when uh, when the Jesus the bowler when he's coming when when he gets introduced to us they play this version of Hotel California yeah and that's that's uh, the, I think it's the, the Gypsy Kings isn't it it's Gypsy uh, Kings that's it yeah. yeah so we'll put the YouTube link in there but sorry Felipe carry on man yeah this- and it's it's such an interesting version first thing I, I when I first heard that one in Spanish and the movie was like that's funny but yeah but the first version of the song I've ever listened to was uh, Eagles like uh, I, I think it's kind of a reunion. Tour, they even do a joke at the beginning saying, oh, we, we, we never split up. We just took a 14-year uh, vacation, so we're back now. <laughs> and um, and they play the song like in a beautiful way without drums. There's a percussionist and Don Henley sitting on a chair in front. So they all lined up. So you clearly see like it's, it's, it's almost like there's no band leader. They're all yeah. at the same. They're all in line at the front and um, or not in a row like at the front. And Don Henley is singing. I thought he was like lead singer. I didn't know he was a drummer when I saw the video. So I saw that on TV and I used, back in the day, I used to record things in VHS. Every time there was a music show on on TV, I would just record it. So I've watched that video a million times. And what really impressed me was at the end, everyone takes the solos in it. So like, so it's not, well, it's not one guy playing guitar, it's many different guys. And I totally believed that the that the band was that. The Eagles were an American kind of folk acoustic band. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't know the electric version of the song with drums and electric guitars. Oh, so so I had a completely different impression of, of what the band is. And um 
but anyway, so that's that's the reason why I get to know that song and Eagles. Did you? Uh, when, I when said you Eagles, heard, not the Eagles. Yeah, well done. Like. When, when you heard <laughs> when you heard the electric version, did you did you prefer it or did you still prefer? The I music? didn't. I don't know. I still prefer it without drums, <laughs> which you, is yeah. funny for a drummer. Listen, uh, if you in if any you case, can, um, listen after we're done recording, see if you can find the clip that you just said about all of them. Oh, it's it's from... the one. I think it's one of the uh, the links I sent you. Oh, you, okay, yeah, you did send it to. Yeah, again, guys, that'll be on the in the show notes. So um, they'll be there. Yeah. But so the, yeah, so you have all of them. Like, and 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 it shows that everyone. Uh, just that song alone shows you that everyone is a great instrumentalist in the band. So I believe I'm not disagreeing with you. The song could be considered like it, it, you can say it's overrated if you compare it to the rest of the album. It's a phenomenal album, I guess. And uh, one, the one criticism I have about the album is the rock songs are so good that I think there's there's way too many ballads. They could have they could have uh, 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 you know put a couple of more uh, <laughs> hard rock songs in the album because I love the ones they do. But uh, regarding the song, uh, there's the way he came about was uh, um, let me let me check. Don Felder, the guitar player. Um, he had a cassette tape with about, according to him, to him, 16, 17 unfinished songs and ideas for songs wow. uh, that eventually became some of the tracks in the album. And he gave every musician in the band uh, a copy of that tape and, and say, like, guys, listen to it and uh, see what you like. And Don Henley came to me, oh, can we work on that Mexican reggae? I really like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first name they gave, Hotel California was Mexican reggae because they they didn't have a name for it. Well, it's pretty appropriate. I mean, like I said, I I thought when I did my notes, I said Spanish flamenco music, but Mexican, very similar. Um, And yeah, the bass and drums, it's all very reggae, isn't it? But when you think, on the dark desert highway, and there's something balanced, instead of like, Instead of playing the toms for the fills, I don't know if he overdubbed it or it's part of his drum kit, but it's something ballads at some point, something like percussion, typical oh, Latin percussion. Brilliant. And there's one really short timbale fill, I think, just before one of the choruses. And it, those details for me is what uh, they do best. Yeah. So, like one percussion fill really short before the chorus, or one beat stop before something happens. Or yeah. one extra layer of guitar right at the end of the song. They're really good with that in arrangements. Like so, uh, yeah. Really so this really song, what makes this song special is not a typical rock song for me. So it's long. It's got loads of solos at the end, uh, which which a clever thing because their radio can cut it short if they want to. So that's yeah. what, so you you deliver all the the um, all the commercial side of it first. You know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Everyone can sing along. Everyone gets the idea of the story at the end. Everyone is playing their long solos, like until whatever, until forever, and the, the, and the they have fans, elements the, of reggae and Latin music. Super the, cool. The pop fans stop after four minutes. The rock fans carry on for two more minutes, <laughs> or maybe they start after four minutes. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> so yeah, um, it is. Uh, it is for me uh, undoubtedly the uh, one of the best opening tracks. You know, just like London Calling for the album London Calling that we talked about. Yeah. So this is a great title song for an album, a great opening track. And I agree with you, definitely not the best. So mm. maybe let's move on and talk about the yeah. other ones. Well, so, I mean, we already mentioned New Kid in Town, and I really, really enjoyed that. Probably my favourite on the album. Um, I love the keyboards. Because yeah. straight away you've gone from that original... 
um, what was I just want to say? The, the kind of naturalness of Hotel California with the guitars, the timbalas, the drums, the vocals, the bass. And then sort of straight away we switch to a kind of more modern sound. I say modern, but I mean, you know, modern for 1976. The keyboard intro straight away. It's just lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the song has a bit of a, a, a tango feel to it. And it actually reminded me of Randolph's Tango by Thin Lizzy. Oh, wow. um, do, do, do you know what I mean? Can you do yeah. Just really nice vibe about it. I felt that you know Glenn Glenn Frey's lead vocals were beautiful as well, um, but it's it's kind of got a progressiveness to it as well, mixing with the country. Something that I'd expect to hear from, for example, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, very country based, but just little progressive elements sneaking in every now and then. Yeah, yeah, I think you can hear that. You can hear. Uh mainly from the keyboards in this song i guess yeah. and there is a there is another element of um if it feels to me like the song gets more intense towards the end yeah, yeah. you know it's like there's they 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 add more stuff and 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 the melody as well uh gets more tense in a certain way because the story is coming to to a kind of not so happy conclusion isn't it i, I think it's the way uh, so, it seems it as well yeah, exactly, and it, it, that's that's the one thing about the, the vocals. All of them, they have passion in the vocals, and they actually delivering what the story needs. Yeah, regardless uh, of technicality, isn't it? They all deliver it with so much passion. Yeah, and one thing that for me really relates to folk music in both those two songs that we're talking about so far is they are, they are ex- essentially storytelling. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, one yeah. thing that just came to my mind is when I listen to Hotel Hotel California, I think about a guy getting to a hotel and listening to the, the people dancing and singing in the corridors. I can see the picture. I yeah. can see a movie. And this song, uh, I was picturing this this small town and this kid was maybe in his 20s, hand in hand with the most beautiful girl in town. And everyone is talking about him. He's waving at people in the street. So he's like really popular. and he starts to worry about it and it starts to get a bit darker. And right. it's like, and after a couple of days, you know, he's not the talk of the town and it, not in, in a bad way, not in a good way. No one cares about him anymore because there's a new kid in town and that's it. Yeah. So I really like the the way you can visualize the songs as a movie. And it's, mm. it's fantastic. That's great, yeah, that's a great point. And do you know what? We owe some of that credit to the to the album cover because you can just kind of picture the opening shot of a movie being like, you know, sunrise, 3 a.m. in California. The sun's just starting to come up over the sea. Uh, and you just get the picture of this, the top of this hotel with the palm trees, which is just so, yeah, but it is a fantastic photo, isn't it, for that album? It is, it is, it is. We're going to talk about it at the end. If you if you give me a couple of minutes at the end, we'll talk of about course, it. Of course, yeah. Um, Shall we move on to the tracks that you say you, you're preferring, which are the Rocky ones, which I've got as Life oh. in the Fast Lane and Victim of Love. These yeah. two sort of, for me, go hand in hand in the album of being these kind of funk rock songs of the album. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say that those two songs alongside uh, New Kid in Town are my favourites uh, in the album, for sure. Okay, interesting. And, uh, uh, Victim of Love is the sixth track in the album, or seventh? Yeah, seventh. sixth, yeah. Oh, sixth, yeah. Uh, and it's 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 cool. Uh, one of the things that makes it rock and roll is where re- it was recorded live with only vocals being overdubbed. Ooh, wow. And uh, and that's Don Henley uh, uh, doing vocals again, but Don Felder was supposed to be doing vocals. Right. But the band didn't think was was good enough. 
So wow. the manager took him out for lunch, <laughs> and Don Henley recorded the, the the vocal track. Oh, poor Don Felder. <laughs> yeah, so it's just a bit like it's it feels like a stab in the back, but it's it, it's it's one of those things that those really difficult decisions that you have to make in the music. Yeah. Like like leaving Sid Barrow on the side of the road and going off to the to the door. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, shall we pick him up? No. No, thanks, leave yeah. a band member on the road forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never pick well, him up ever again. Yeah, this one is a bit is you know, I, I wonder if, if they thought just telling him would be a bit too harsh. Yeah. Sorry, mate, it's just not sounding good. Yeah, yeah. No, but I don't know how they told him after. You know, the album's coming out. By the way, remember that song? Well, well he listens to it with them and he goes, do you know what? I don't remember singing that note when I did that chorus. Uh <laughs> Yeah. But the fact it was recorded, the band actually recorded live, and I, I'm always advocating for this. I think uh, modern rock music needs a little bit more of that. Yeah. Get in the studio play together in a rhythm guitar lead guitar drums and bass just play start to finish record a take and keep it if it's good enough and if there's a mistake or two but the vibe is there and the feel is there just keep it so yeah. that's a great song in that sense well, and I it's thought, it's, it's heavy the, and slow as well isn't it? i was just gonna say i found it to be the heaviest song of the album and the guitar solo led to that as well because it was really heavy just the way it was played you know <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> If you'd have taken the guitar solo and given different context behind it, it could almost be sort of hard rock, you know, even verging on heavy metal. But I thought that was a great song. Yeah, really, really, really heavy. Um, both of these songs, though, this one and Life in the Fast Lane, both have a funk vibe to it. Now, do you know, Life in the Fast Lane, when I first heard that song, I thought I was hearing another song by mistake. Can you guess what that song was? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, yeah, because there's another riff that sounds like that. I've given a clue by saying a word already. Don't. No, I can't. So no. as soon as I heard this, I heard Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry. Oh, yes. Can you hear the similarity? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very similar. It's kind of like a, still a, a hard rock guitar riff, but there's definitely a funky element about it. You know, Life in the Fast Lane. And then... Play that funky music is and it's just got that little bounce, that little element of funk that takes it from being a pure hard rock riff and just well, I've said it, it funks it up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it, it's 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 quite funky and it has everything to do with the lyrics as well. And uh one one really interesting story about this one is the riff was a warm-up exercise. Oh, really? So that is probably um Joe Walsh's first big contribution to the band is a huge contribution. What a, yeah, exactly. What a big a contribution. Phenomenal guitar riff. And basically he used, he was doing that to warm it, to warm up. So it's a kind of finger exercise uh, uh, for guitar. Uh, yeah. I think he came up with the exercise. I don't know. So he was just like playing that as an exercise to warm up and the guys in the band say, wait a minute, that's, that's pretty cool. Let's yeah, develop yeah. That, that, the whole idea into a song. Mm-hmm. And it became so, and it's a fast riff, isn't it? It's it, it's it's a really cool, and it, it's got everything to do with with, with the lyrics, and uh, uh, and it relates to that thing about LA lifestyle, yeah, you know. being cutthroat, really fast, really quick. Um, did you anything else? Did you want to, want to say anything else about that song? No, I think I, no. I, I think that, that that sums it up. I guess I wanted to go on to the next two songs because. There was a certain there was a certain feeling when I was going through this and listening to the album sort of from start to finish for the first time. 
I was thinking, okay, all I've gotten so far is three songs, good songs, but they're all different. There's not really a combining uh, anything that's that's tying the album together at the moment. And then we move on to track four, Wasted Time, and track five, Wasted Time, Reprise. And those songs, now, although they don't sound like any of the previous three songs, there was something about hearing those songs one after another that really touched me when I listened to the album because Wasted Time is like a, you know, you could imagine it's so heartfelt. You can imagine Brian Adams was influenced by this, you know. <laughs> like, um, It reminded me of a song called Lonesome Susie by the band, um, which again will be in the playlist. And it drew on so much more. So far we'd heard uh, reggae Mexican rock. We'd heard... Uh, singer-songwriter rock, and we'd heard uh, sort of funky guitar rock. But this had orchestras, it had string arrangements, it had classical instrumentation that was being utilised to an extent that we hadn't heard before. So that song on its own was brilliant. And then we get the halfway stage of the album, Wasted Time Reprise. Excuse me, guys, sorry, I've been ill all week, so my throat's a little sore. Um, And I just thought, this is epic because it's almost like you're going to see a show and they've done the first half. The curtain comes down, the band are going to take a break, the orchestra are going to play a little one and a half minute uh, song using the themes of the previous song. We're going to everyone take their seats, go and get a drink, curtain rises again and we finish the album. And I just thought that was the moment for me which made me think, yes, I'm going to take this album seriously. Not that I didn't before, but you know what I mean? It was just like, wow, this is a game changer. Before that, I've just heard a good song followed by a good song followed by a good song. But then we get what makes a good album. Yes, it, it, it does. You have And you have the orchestral version of it as, as yeah, it's kind of um, uh, starting again, isn't it? It's like uh, um, clearly splitting the album into into two different parts you can hear the the a and the b sides of the album uh, uh separated by one song and that one song happens in two different forms i, I yeah. like that it's a, it's it's very like a prog rock the idea yes yeah although, although the song itself is 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 a is a love song is a ballad it's a pop ballad in my opinion and uh i Oh, dare to say that could be an Elton John song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It does remind me a lot of his stuff. It's that uh, piano well, led, isn't it? Just piano and vocals yeah. for a bit before other stuff comes in. Exactly. The the, the 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 piano is the main instrument in the song, and it's about a breakup. So it, I think everyone can relate to that. To that, and it also it's let's put it like that. It's it's lighter than everything else. It, 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 it sounds to me that the whole idea of criticizing that lifestyle and, and songs about, you know, living in the fast lane kind of vibe. Yeah. And then you get into this, okay, there's a breakup. Let's talk about love. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's lighter in terms of music, but lyrically it's quite yeah. deep, isn't it? It is deep. It's sad, but it's, it's a bit more like, okay, it's, it's, we're going to talk about feelings. We're going to talk about something not as, yeah. not yeah. about, um, you know, uh, not about booze and cars and, and sex and all this, the other stuff yeah. they're talking about on the first songs. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, well, we already touched on Victim of Love. Next, we got the song or track seven is called Pretty Maids All in a Row. And this is where Joe Walsh gets his lead yeah. vocal debut for Eagles. Um, and the funny thing is that when I first heard it and I first heard his vocals, it instantly reminded me of David Bowie. Just the tone of his vocals. Wow. 
like him off the Hunky Dory album. I'll find a song and I'll stick it in the playlist. But again, another piano-led song, another sort of softer singer-songwriter song that we're getting. They even had some R&B vibes in it as well, I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting point. I wouldn't think of it now, but now that you said, <laughs> yeah. they do have it. Yeah. They do have it. And, it, and, and it's a beautiful song. And it sounds to me that, that this song is simply not... Uh, pretentious. <laughs> no, no, it's not, is it's, it? It's just, it's just there. It's just there. It just sits nicely in in, in that second half of the album, well, and it's it, a good transition to the very end of the album. I exactly, think. because the last two songs of the album, I think, are the two best songs on the album: best written, best performed, best lyrics, best execution, best orchestration, everything. And really? I think, wow, wow, wow! I want to hear why. That's interesting. I like that. Well. So, so I'll just finish my point that yeah. Victim of Love is quite a heavy song and I think you needed something to break it up. And so I thought uh, Pretty Maids All in a Row was really good, um, a good way to break that up. Now, you've said to me why, and this is because, so I've actually got here that I think the best song on the album is Try and Love Again. My favourite is New Kid in Town and The Last Resort, but I think the best written song is Try and Love Again. And that's because for me, you have the perfect amalgamation of each of the best qualities of the album. You've got the rock guitar solos. You've got the piano-led verses somewhere. You've got country chord progressions. You've got vocal harmonies. That's something we haven't even talked about yet. We've spoken about how good individually their voices are, but coming together, my God, they are another level. There's another YouTube video I've seen of them in the rehearsal room or a practice room before a gig, and they're just doing, they do like three or four bars of music where they're practicing their harmonies. My goodness, they are spot on. And I just feel that the last two songs encapsulate everything that is perfect about this album. Because like I said, we've had a few, we've had got that odd Mexican reggae song. You've got two of the fast, like, funky rock songs in Victim of Love and Fast Lane. Then you've got some singer-songwriter songs, The New Kid in Town and Wasted Time and Pretty Maids All in a Row. And then they just bring it all together to close the album, taking the best parts of everything that we've loved in this album, bringing it together for a final, final two songs. And for me, the end of The Last Resort is just phenomenal because the orchestration, it's not just a simple violin in the back, sort of just plodding along, doing something to harmonise it. It's its own instrument. It's its own lead line. And it just, for me, I, I don't know, I can't describe it. I just feel I had such an epic... It leaves you with that feeling of, I want to listen to the whole thing again, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Which is Absolutely. something that I think we, we got from most of the albums we were reviewing. And it's, I think, yeah, I the ending of an album is such a, a crucial thing. It, it needs to be thought through, like, properly. Because if, if you if you end on, on, a, on a boring song or, like, predictable song... Yeah, it just makes people think. Okay, yeah, that's the end of it. I don't anticlimactic, isn't it? Exactly. Let me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think? What do you think? So hold on. What do you think is more important, a better album opener or a better better album closer? Tough question. I think the opener. Although I've just made my point about how to end an album, it can be disappointing. But the first song is just like the first song in a gig. If you play it well, and if if you have a catchy chorus or you have a phenomenal guitar solo, something that makes that song really good, then you can keep the audience connected to you for a bit longer. If the first song is a bit too slow or or there's nothing special about it, if it's boring or or I don't know, common, you know, 
there's nothing unusual about the first song, nothing that makes you think, oh, something's going on here. Uh, then you probably won't listen to the rest of the album. So I think in terms of uh, uh, of um, not even the artistic side of it, the commercial side of it, like you need yeah. to... You need you something need to grab the attention. Grab the once, attention. Once you hold the attention, once you hold the attention and take them on the journey, how you end that attention is important, but you're yeah. saying that you think that grabbing the attention's... But then, then you can you can find some similarities between the first and the last track. They both long songs. Yeah, yeah. So the most of the songs in the album have a normal length. The the, the first and the last are quite long, and there's quite a lot of improvisation solos, and and it's like long instrumental parts. Yeah, it's kind of a statement, isn't it? On the first song, they give it two minutes of solo, saying, "Look, yeah, we good. We we know what we're doing here. We can play." So and yeah. that happens again at the end in terms of we know how to arrange a song and the vocal harmonies. Uh, regarding trying love again. Uh, every time I'm, I'm listening to, to songs for, for the podcast, I take notes about a couple of things that I might find, um, I don't know, that, that I might find that I've never heard before in other songs or I've, or, or most people probably wouldn't notice. That, and, okay. and I think it's, it's those little things make the song special. Uh, one thing that obviously everyone can notice in Try and Love Again is the, the, the harmonies are amazing. That's oh, stunning, yeah. Especially towards the end, because the, the melody gets, gets more interesting at the end. Yeah. And and there's a short stop before the chorus, like it lasts for a beat. It's like yes. and it just prepares that 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 little that, that brief moment of tension before a chorus. I really like that. And I think they and, did pretty well. And they haven't done it and, and, before and, in the album, have they? They wouldn't they didn't use it in any previous songs that I did just once. Yes, just once. It's 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 yeah, exactly. So it could be a typical thing. Could be like yeah, everyone does that, but they did it in, in such a subtle way, yeah. and only once, as I said. Yeah. So yeah, it makes it special. The other thing about the song is the lyrics. Like uh, the song title tells the whole message: "Try and love again." It's like mm-hmm. you read that and you start listening to the song, and and I think if anyone is going through that kind of uh, uh, breakup and think, oh yeah, every time I try to start a relationship things go wrong etc that yeah. song and, and can convince you that, you know you should try a living so it's it's not a happy song but it's got a positive message which is a good balance to the overall approach of the album in my opinion yeah. that's a great point um one thing i want to go back on with regards to when we said that they only used that stop idea once that for me is a theme throughout the album especially with production techniques keyboards synths and sound effects they they use it very sparsely. They only put it in when it's feel when it feels necessary. Like there's there was some vocal effects on one of the songs. It could have been Hotel California, um, but I just felt that what they did is I'm just looking at my notes. Um, yeah, I don't have it written down, but they, they, they do every now and then they put in a keyboard sound, and then it would only be there for the chorus. Or uh, well, let's use let's use that orchestration and the orchestra and the classical music as an example. Not every song has it littered through it, and no. what they, what that means is that when they put it in in certain songs, so they might stick it at the end of track two and then the beginning of track four for wasted time. Then you get a whole one minute of it in wasted time reprise. Then you don't hear it again until Pretty Maids all in a row, and then at the end they just hit you of the, at the end of the last resort, they hit you with all of the classical instruments and it works because you haven't been bombarded with orchestras and violins throughout the album. You've just heard touches of it and you've been like, Oh yeah, it was good in that song. Do you know what? I, 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 if they have it, I'll take some more. 
Oh, do you know what yeah. that keyboard in here? Oh, that was nice. If they give me some more, I'll take that. And then at the end of the last resort, it's just like everything's given to you at once, and it's epic. It is, it is. And I think it wouldn't have the same impact if it was happening throughout the whole album. That's exactly. a really, really good point. It's something that I didn't think of. Because when you have albums that use orchestration as part of or you know, or as part of the band or combined with the band, they are yeah, they can get boring, or maybe it takes a little bit of the rock and rollness of the album if you have two yeah. classical elements to it. And yeah, uh, yeah they use it has it feels to me that every little thing that happens throughout the whole album is meaningful. It feels nothing, like nothing attention. is there yes. for the sake of it. They've they paid attention to every little detail um, and you can hear it because it sounds like a tight album. Yeah. Now, you know, regardless of whether they were tracking this all together or individually, it doesn't matter to that extent because if, if the drummer's done a fill, then the guitarist has paid attention and gone, oh, do you know what? Screw my, screw the power chord I was going to do at the end of that. I think I should do a nice little rundown or something. Listening to each other. Yeah. So critical. Yeah. when you're part of a band and when you're recording albums because you've got to play off of each other. You've got to hear little nuances and little ideas that others are bringing in so that when you do it and when you listen to it, you can say, yes, that's going to work. And then it meshes together and you just get a really great product, don't you? It, it, yeah, exactly. And it, it's, 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 it's all about the detail. And that's why it took a few months to finish the album, I guess. It's not it's not one of those albums that, were, that was recorded in two weeks, you know. And yeah. They used two different studios and, and a... And a and it took a few months to finish, and yeah. you can see that they were like trying to get every every little bit of the of, of every song right. So there's no there's no fillers in the album, in my opinion. I don't. No, think that, I just totally agree. Yeah, yeah, I and that's and that's a really really hard thing to do. Uh, one talking about those details. One last thing I want to say is uh, uh, "Life in the Fast Lane." There's a guitar and bass uh, phrase at two minutes and thirty seconds, roughly. Um, okay. It's a breakdown that happens after this slide guitar solo. So this slide guitar solo in itself is something really cool. And then the band stops and there's a phrase and the bass joins that phrase. And it's the one thing that happens only once. It's those things that go. make it special. Again. Yeah. So I have, I have a segment, if, if you don't mind me. Oh, let's do it. Go on, introduce it. Right. So we have this segment where we try to uh, rate how, uh, um, you know, you try to compare... Uh, um, things and stories behind songs uh, to to other songs and to other things and and uh, measure the the level of rock and rollness so uh let me introduce you to how rock and roll is that uh so you got to answer this last of course uh the situation is joe walsh joins a really successful band probably the probably the biggest band in america or in the world at the time yeah and He's noodling at the rehearsal, and that becomes the riff of a song called Life in the Fast Lane. <laughs> You're a new member replacing uh, an essential member of a band. That's the biggest band in the world. You're noodling your guitar, and someone looks at you, fuck yeah, that's a song. <laughs> and which then goes on to become one of the most iconic driving rock songs of all time, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think what makes this 
more rock and roll is that he's the new member. And yeah. I think you've got to also give credit and credence to the rest of Eagles because we, we've heard stories, you know, Metallica and Justice for Metallica with and Justice for All. The new bassist was in. Um, they turned the bass right down because they were missing their old bassist who, who did pass away. You know, so you, you hear stories about bands not instantly warming to new members. But for the rest of Eagles to have gone, do you know what? Yeah, screw it. Joe, let's use that riff, man. And then they <laughs> use it. And not only do they use it, but they turn it into an iconic guitar riff. That's a solid 80. Solid 80. Cool. It is really it is. rock and roll, yeah. isn't it? it is right. Uh, um, I don't I, know if you have... We could be talking about this album forever, but we, we're trying to keep the no, episode... Right. I've just got, I've got my monologue at the end, yeah. but before by that, I just wanted to talk about the, the success of the album. Yes. Because it is one that we, you know, we did mention it at the start, but it's one of the best-selling albums of all time. 32 million units sold. Um, nominated for five Grammys. Uh, it won Song of the Year. It lost out of that on album to the year, on album of the year. Do you know what, song, what album it lost out to? No. Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tough competition right there. I know. Yeah. Sorry. No. It, right. It was, I think it was nominated for Song of the Year. I don't think it won. But New Kid in Town won Best Arrangement for Voices because of the fantastic harmonies. Um, two, time, uh, two, two times number one singles, Hotel California and New Kid in Town. These are some of the, the, the rankings of where they stand. So Rolling Stone have put it 37 in their 500 greatest. Rock critics and DJs have put it 48 out of 100. In the all-time top 1,000 list, it got number 67. In VH1 100's best albums of all time, it got 38. Channel 4's public survey, the public voted it number 13 out of 100. And uh, the song Hotel California is 49th in Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs of all time. So what these are completely deserved accolades and awards, aren't they? They are. They are. It's not, it's not um it's not a coincidence that they're that all of these people have put it so high up. And, and and it become and it's an album that everyone remembers, if not the album, the song of yeah. California yeah. and yeah. or the album cover, as I said. And I told you I had a story about the album cover. Let's do it. Yeah, tell us the story. Yeah, so the, the, the photographer for, for the cover is a guy called David Alexander, and the art director was John Koch. So John was directing uh, the photographer, and he worked with the Beatles on Abbey Road and the Who on Who's Next. So he's really good, really good art director. And so they wanted to, to capture the idea of the album of the Los Angeles lifestyle by having the, the Hotel California as the album cover, but the Hotel California doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. So they went to, uh, I think it's called the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yeah. That's it, yeah. That's what it is. And they basically shot the, 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 the picture uh, when just before sunset, because they wanted to get that kind of eerie vibe. Yeah. And it's not, it's not dark. It's not too clear. And they said, they were shooting blindly into the sun, so they didn't know what kind of results they would get oh, out, wow. of, out of the picture. They couldn't actually see through the through the, the camera lens what was wow. going on. So <laughs> yeah, so and they actually—that's that, what you should have asked. How rock and roll is that? Because <laughs> hey, here's the album cover. Do you know what? Do you know what it's going to look like? Nope. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, they were there like for hours waiting for, for sunset and they did yeah. the results. But and they then got another artist called uh Bob Hickson to 
to create the neon sign. And the really uh, uh, clever thing about it was uh, apparently there was a there was an argument with the uh, the label. And you know we love record labels, isn't it? They know everything <laughs> about rock. Uh, yeah. so they, they know wanted... so much more than us musicians isn't it oh, yeah so much more than the artists and songwriters <laughs> and you know and uh, they they argued that the the band names should be on the cover so it should be eagles hotel california okay and uh, and uh, uh, and the uh, art director said no they are the biggest band in the world they do not need that name on the cover and as soon as as the song Hotel California is playing on the radio, everyone is going to know it's an Eagle song. So fuck oh, that. So cool. There's the, the band name is not <laughs> going to be there. And the hotel sued the band what? for you for using the picture. Of, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh so the God. same guy. Yeah. It, it's just insane. So John Cost, the artist, um, he, he he brought his his attorney with him, and basically their argument was like. You have three times more bookings now because of the <laughs> yeah. album. What the your, fuck you complaining? Your, your business has thrived because of this. What are you complaining about? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna sue you because you're making me make more money. <laughs> it's just insane. But anyway, oh, yeah, that's great. That man. Was, oh, that's the story of the album. Yeah, thank you. Um, right, let's bring it to an end. As usual, we've got my monologue to end it. Um, and I'll yeah, it's a little shorter this time, but um, I'll kick it off, right? Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that Eagles have taken all of the stuff they're best at and focused on those elements while still creating a very unique and distinctive sound. They've got the chord progressions that are very country-esque, rock, guitar solos and riffs, singer-songwriter with piano-led songs and orchestration behind, the stunning harmonies and melodies in the vocals, and the sparse use and only necessary of the keys sound effects and production. It's an odd album because you don't ever know when the song is home or the signature sound because you have a couple of rock songs, a few piano-led singer-songwriter songs, a rock-reggae hybrid, and some that combine them all. Yet when you get to the end of each song, it feels complete and familiar. And for that reason, I think it's a really good album. Upon first listen, I wasn't that impressed. Like I thought, good album, but I didn't love it. Uh, but as I listened again and again and started hearing little elements and characteristics that you might miss the first time round, and it really does start to feel like a special album once you get to the end. And it's so easy on the ear that you can completely understand why it's one of the best selling albums of all time. Wow. It's always my favorite part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So should we call it a day there, bro? Yeah, man. Um, Excellent. Anything else to say, or just as usual? I know what Felipe is going to say. Go listen to the album. <laughs> go listen to the album. <laughs> buy the record if you can. And, you and yeah, and and just you know, uh, contact us in 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 any form you can. Just message us on on, on social media, or uh, please give us a review. I think it's really important nowadays. Um, if you listen to this on uh, YouTube or Spotify or whatever, anywhere on the internet, give us a review. Um, tell us how much you love us and what else do you want to hear on the show if you have any albums recommend etc so thank you very much guys for being with us yeah. it would mean the world to us if you just go give it a like comment a subscribe a review a little thumbs up an Instagram follow a Facebook follow you can find us everywhere it's at the bottom of the screen we are at long live RNR pod on everywhere and as Felipe said thank you for joining us and keep on rocking everyone and as usual take care and long live and roll.